and the greatest. If I've learned anything in my 31 years of life, that with green pants, anything is possible. Hi, welcome to Judd and Earbuds, the only podcast that still uses VHSs. My name is Judd, I'll be the host for the evening, and we're here at Dead Bird Brewery. And I'm sitting next to a comedian, a deployment man, a veteran of, of it all. Uh, and he's also <laughs> wearing, uh, I believe, Tim's on right now. Uh, the always flashing, Mark Vegas. Mark, how are we doing today? Dog, now that you said Kim Possible, because <laughs> I, I, people can't see me, obviously. I got a white long sleeve on with some green pants and, and the Timberland boots on because I just want to look taller at the show today because I'm on a show with Judd. <laughs> yeah. And... I was gonna wear a black tee. I was gonna wear a black like uh, the Dr. Dre thermal oh, to yeah, show yeah, off my yeah. new shoulder muscles, man. And I would have looked like Kim Possible <laughs> a little bit. I got I got nervous, so I, I didn't do it. So I was gonna I I wrote that joke because I was gonna buy green pants. Shit. Yeah, I know because they're in. They're in right they now. Are green the pants, way, are in. man. It's all about color palettes right now. It's not about matching. It's about putting together an outfit that has colors that make sense with each other. True, true, for sure. So. You're a comedian. We, we kind of glossed over that. You are a stand-up comedian here in Milwaukee. How long have you been doing comedy? What did you get started in? And uh, what what have you learned and, and how are you liking it so far? been doing comedy for about a year and some ch- year and a half, almost two years now, coming up on September 1st. September 1st of 2020 is when I started. And I got started because, well, I was bored. I, I had turned 21 on august 30th and not even three days had passed i wanted to go to a bar because i I guess i was just lonely that day i had nothing to do i finished all my homework and i was like you know what i want to go kick it somewhere i was like you know what i bet you i can find a place to do stand-up comedy today and and now that's how it started yeah it just started like it almost came to me spontaneously i got on stage because of this guy named debo Debo is a comic in Phoenix, so shout out to Debo. He was wearing a Reasonable Doubt t-shirt, that album by Jay-Z, and I was listening to that album on the car. Now, I know superstitions are stupid, but I think the universe is listening always, right? So I seen him with this album. I'm like, hey, what's up, man? And he's like, hey, what's up, player? How you doing, man? How, how long you been doing comedy? I'm like, man, this is my first time in this joint. Like, I don't know what to, like... what do I do? And he's like, oh, you, so you finna sign up? You gonna pop your cherry, huh? And I'm like... I don't know about all that. I just came to watch. He's like, well, is he funny? He got real serious. He's like, well, is he funny, young blood? I'm like, well, yeah, I'm funny. And he's like, well, then quit pussy funny. If you're funny, then why wouldn't you be here? <laughs> he's like, you know what's funny? The fact that you find yourself at a karaoke bar trying to tell jokes. My favorite thing is you, so you weren't planning on just starting comedy. You were just like, oh, well, I'm kind of bored. Let's try this. Yeah, it was just another something to try out. And to be honest, I was just looking for a place to make friends. I've loved stand-up comedy my whole life. I just could never try it out because I wasn't 21 yet. I thought I had to be 21 to enter certain spaces. And I'm like, oh, wait, hey, I could actually try this. Wow. So so you like stand-up the whole, your whole life. Like, you were, like, a big fan. Who's who's one of your, like, t- idols? I know there's probably a bunch, but who do if you I like? If I had, like, a Mount Rushmore. Yeah, like, let's do that. The thing... Revo- the two people that revolutionized comedy for me, like three, as a kid, was Dave Chappelle, because I watched the Chappelle show consistently. Oh, yeah. I was, I'd watch it and laugh my guts. Dave Chappelle, Eddie Murphy, because in my opinion, I think he made the two greatest 
comedy special of all time in Delirious and Raw. I got shown those as a four or five. I saw those at a very, very young age, four or five years old. My parents were showing them to me all the time. And I didn't, I didn't know I was watching stand-up. I just thought I was watching Eddie Murphy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was so damn hilarious that I would repeat his jokes. I would repeat Dave Chappelle's jokes while I was out in public with my friends and stuff. I didn't even know I did that until I reflected on it like years later. Another dude would probably be uh, Cat Williams. Okay, yeah, I yeah. I loved Cat Williams as a kid because I grew up uh, watching Boondocks and I recognized his voice. And I just thought Cat, Cat Williams wasn't a comedian. He was just a character. I just thought that dude was just like someone you could meet. Like I was looking forward to I, I love those three comparisons for your energy on stage too, though. Like you bring an energy that I don't think is much of the same in the scene. There's a lot of like people that are like lower energy and they are, are structured jokes, but you are also just very like out there and aggressive, and I love that. That's that's a perfect thing. Yeah, I can see that now that a cat and yeah, it wasn't until like later when I like saw like Bill Burr and stuff. But I guess he doesn't really help either in this situation. No, he, he yells as well. <laughs> he yells too, you know. I didn't really grow up on comedians doing like set up punchline stuff. And I didn't watch a lot of like uh, like daytime television, like Friends and stuff like that, that had that. So like when I would see Cat Williams, like just start to yell about motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah, you ever be in here, Jacksonville? Yeah, it'd be hotter than a motherfucker. You can't even go around these neighborhoods. Like I would die, man. I'd be laughing my ass off. And plus, like in Chicago, that's that's all anybody knew was Cat Williams, uh, Dave Chappelle, Eddie Murphy. That was the fastest way I made friends when I was in Chicago. All the kids knew who those. Oh yeah, for those sure. Dudes were Bernie Mac too. Everybody loved Bernie Mac, but I think he's from Chicago, so that's why. Yeah, R.I.P. Bernie Mac. Yeah. Yeah, Mr. 3000, yes. That's that's the man right there. He shot Mr. 3000 in Milwaukee. Did you know that? I did not. That's know all that. at Miller Park. Yeah. Dude, shout, bro, shout out Bernie Mac. Yeah, man. remember that. What the fuck is going on in here, Kanye? <laughs> I did you know that on that college dropout album and late registration? That's not actually Kanye. That's just someone imitating Bernie Mac. <laughs> I was so mad when I found that out. I'm like, what? I was, I was I was actually angry. I'm like, bro, Bernie Mac is cool. Like, that was the man right there. He just had a recognizable voice. That's when he died, funny. I'm like, what? That's I didn't know. Per- when Bernie Mac died, I was like probably like six, seven years old. So wait, so hang on. Bernie Mac isn't on the College Dropout album? That's someone imitating Bernie Mac? Yeah, I found that out. Because probably legal. He, they probably have to owe him money for that then. Right? They, they did a, a very, it, it was a Bernie Mac impression because yeah. he's one of a kind, so you would know what he sounds like when you hear him. I only found out that that was some guy imitating Bernie Mac when I watch uh, the, the Kanye documentary. I, I found out today or this week that everyone on the Forbes list, they pay there. They pay to be on that list. You pay to be on the Forbes list? Yeah. Well, I, I guess. Isn't that wild though? That kind of makes sense. So, like, you <laughs> see, like, these up and coming, like, the fastest 20 under 20, they all paid to be. In that magazine. Man, that must be nice to pay to put yourself on a list. I wish comedy was like that. <laughs> yeah. I wish, like, because I got, like, I'm not saying I'm the richest man in the world, but if I give you $200 for, like, a like a feature spot and, <laughs> I, you know, because I think that would raise the stakes, wouldn't it? Yeah, paying to get your way. I'm sure that Cause happens. It's, yeah, because it's not just on, like, a handshake deal. It's like, I'll do 20 and if I mess this up, it's a waste of $200. So, in, in Los Angeles, the mics, you pay to be on the mic. What? But also, you have to get there at like noon, so you get there early at noon and to sign up, and it's not even till like an eight o'clock show. So you are in line and you pay money to sign up, 
and then you basically pay money. They buy them over at 8, <laughs> 8 p.m. It's wild. I don't know. I, that's why I, I don't think I could ever find myself in L.A. like that. You lived in L.A., didn't you? I, my brother lived in L.A. Yeah, so oh. I've, I've been out there. I've had a few shows out there and stuff, yeah. Man. Yeah. Ooh, I don't know about that. It's, like, it's a different – it's not what you think it is. It's a different lifestyle out there. And uh, it's not all, you know, beaches and, and palm trees. What do their people smell like? Uh, it's, it's like in between like hobos and like a lot of like people who are very superficial about everything. So after like a show or a set, people who are just random audience members think that you're the next big thing. So they're like trying to network with you and not like talk to you normally like a human. Oh, I hate that word. If there's one word that I begin to hate in my comedy career, it's the word networking. <laughs> I hate that fucking word, man. Because it just feels like I'm going to have to try to be friends with people, which I get it. You got to shave. You got to grease some palms. People have to know who you are and you have to build credibility for yourself in order for you to get on other shows. Yeah. But the whole like kissing people's asses like, bro, come on. <laughs> what are we doing here, man? It's it's wild, especially when you start running shows too. The people just come out of the woodwork when you start running shows. Isn't it crazy? <laughs> to, to like you all of a sudden get DMs from people you don't even know. And they're like, hey, heard you run a show. <laughs> it's yeah, I like, heard you're running a show. Can I do 20 minutes for a person <laughs> you don't know? Yeah. That happened to me. Yeah, because I started my own show in March, man. And I've been experimenting with stuff. Just kind of like, you know, not like not so monkey see, monkey do what I see of other shows. But like, I guess it's an experiment, but it's a good one. Because at the end of the day, there's good comics I'm bringing on. Yeah. But I'm still experimenting with lineups, how people react to things and stuff like that. I had one of the bar staff like. Hey, there's this girl I know from Chicago. Here's her five minute clip. And it was her at an open mic. She was just bombing, dude. I'm like, bro, what? I get people like from certain towns or certain cities and they'll be like they'll name drop someone on the like on the list of a of a show before and they're like, Oh yeah, I know this person and then I ask that person and they're like, That person's trash. <laughs> like yeah. they're like, Yeah, yeah don't man. don't hire and, them. And that's not to say like I believe I, I don't one thing I will never do is prey on someone's downfall. I believe everybody can eat. That's, but that isn't to say I'm not competitive. So of course. Like, it, so I'm never going to like, someone will need work. That's a positive way of saying like, man, you're, you're ass. I'm sorry. Like, you'll tell me this ain't put together like that, man. You, like, well, it comes down to be funny. That's all that matters. Like, it doesn't matter like yes. who you kiss your ass to, who, who, you, who basically is trying to get what. Just be funny. That's what it all comes down to. It does. And like, I've seen it from a lot of great comics where they never get bored with consistency and they fun they're fundamentally sound and what to do right every single time. Because you could have a wild card, you know, you could have like just some some random dude who got 10 minutes and he's been funny for 10 minutes before and that's cool. But like it's all about recreating it every single time and doing the right steps in order to do so, giving effort into that performance every single time. Not leading with a joke that might turn the fucking audience off, you know? For sure. And you got to remember that every audience is different. So it's always like a new challenge. Sure, you have that 10 that killed at this certain place that was like a fireball. Now you got to make that happen again, but you still have to start the fire, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's not, it's not going to erupt right oh, away. Dude, that's you gotta, my favorite part right there. Yeah. That's my favorite part is starting. Once you start the fucking, once you start the fire... 
And once that once I know I know what an audience trusts me because I like as soon as I feel that audience is listening for the first time within the first minute and a half, it's like I have them. Mm-hmm. They're on my yeah. side. Yeah, uh, it, it's come with to give me. Away. This, yeah, come with me on this journey. Yeah, yeah, come with me on this journey. I don't have to give it back anymore. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I get that. Now, also, let's let's shift gears a little bit. You are a military man. A U.S. Marine, yes. Yeah, U.S. Marine, and you just technically got back from deployment. I did. In uh, March. Yeah. How, how long were you How long were you out there? So, October to March, that's what, three and three? Like, ah, uh, nah. I got back in February, so like five months. Okay, five months. Where were you stationed? A station in Virginia. We were in Fort Pickett, Virginia, and we were in charge of like security ops and shit for uh, the Afghan refugees and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. And that's where I spent the majority of my time. Now, you've been a, in the military for how long? Five and a half years. What what made you start getting that? Or it was just after out of high school or what? So the Marine Corps was my way of having a safety net within my life. They are they're going <laughs> they crazy. Are. It's we're in an arcade place and they are definitely counting coins right now. They're counting quarters right now. <laughs> you don't even need to count quarters. You know what each one of them are worth. So you, <laughs> like literally, bro. Like make four piles. No, that's all. Yeah, it's a, that's okay. That's all right. No, I, I joined the Marine Corps in high school because it was my safety net. See, I knew I wasn't the most, like, I didn't apply myself in high school. That was already a, a wanted to me. But that wasn't going to stop me from getting what I wanted. The Marine Corps was my way of having a safety net to make sure I was never homeless, never poor, and always had a place to eat. And above all else, it gave me a discipline. That was the initial plan. It took me about 23 days in order to make the decision to become a Marine because back then I just wanted the challenge. I just wanted to know that I could do something. I went looking for a fight and I found a family. That's, a, that's cool. Uh, now, I guarantee that you've met so many different types of people through the Marines. Do you have any like cool stories of like you banding together? Like How was training? How was like all, all that stuff? It's, it's, you'll meet a different character in the Marine Corps every day. It's the best brotherhood I, uh, I'll ever have in my lifetime. Yeah. From the dudes I, I met in boot camp that I was playing pranks on the guide with, you know what I'm saying? To the guys like uh, I met in SOI. S- so basically how, how it breaks down with your training, boot camp, is like, boot camp is like a high school for Marines. And you can see every classroom as a platoon. And the teacher is a drill instructor. Everybody's learning the same su- same five subjects overarching the whole nine yards. When you get to SOI, it's kind of like Marine Corps College because you go to college to specifically learn one thing. Yeah, your special tactic. When I went to SOI, it was the School of Infantry. I'm, I'm an infantry Marine. I'm an old 311. So, like, kick down doors, throw grenades, shoot people. That's what I learned. Other dudes will go to MCT or, like, different MOS schools to go learn their craft. You find guys in there. My unit right now... I've been with two units, one in Mad- I was with the Madison unit for two years, now with Milwaukee one for three. Milwaukee one's been my home. Fuck That's the awesome. <laughs> Fuck Madison. Is it, is it Fort Ackerson? For Madison? Yeah. No, Madison, just Madison? Just, they just have they just have a little base that they hang out in. Same thing with Milwaukee. We're right we're right along the coast and we just hang out there. Oh, that's fun. Well, we go we go there and then we train in other places and stuff like that. That is just kinda where we meet up. That's headquarters, I guess. Do they plan your deployment ahead of time? Do you know, hey, I'm gonna be deploying in the fall or, you know, something like that? It was a complete surprise. I found out I was gonna be um, deploying while I was actually shooting a movie with Matt Nielsen. Another, like, Milwaukee comic. I had brought him in to be, like, the great Gatsby or something because I was, I'm a film major. So I was shooting 
a Great Gatsby like like shot for shot remake or something like that. And I just got a call from my people, from my leadership, saying, "Hey, you got two weeks to get your affairs in order, but uh, we're about to take off and wow, go help the Afghan refugees." It happens that fast. That's insane that it happens so quickly. You don't get time to plan. It does, but I kind of prefer it that way. It's probably best because then you don't have time to. It's more like rip the bandit off sort of thing instead of you know slow the burn. But also, you touched on your film major a little bit. Yeah. Now, schooling, you're going to school for that? Yeah, I'm a major in film. Hell yeah. Now, uh, what is your goal, anyway? What's something that you really want to do and what inspires you in film? I want to tell a story that I've been wanting to tell for a long time. I initially became a film major because I want to be the greatest filmmaker the world had ever seen. Heck yeah. Now, things have changed significantly because now... I think for the first time in my life with film, just like with comedy, I found what I was looking for. I found something to aim for. When I was on my deployment, I got to run a movie theater with my squad. And inside the, we call it Picket Theater, we would, on a little projector, we would shoot movies of all sorts of kinds from, there was a kid's hour, there was an adult's hour, and then there was a only women's only hour for the Afghan refugees. Everybody would come to see movies every day because that's the best way they would learn English was through the movies. This one time, we had put on Mulan and all the kids file in. It's the coolest thing in the world because these kids don't travel with parents. Like, you just have 65 kids and we had to have a procedure just to funnel all these kids into this theater, sit them down. They're all acting like wild shit, like they're yelling, they're running all over the theater. You have to calm them down, make sure they don't run out of the fire exits and stuff like that. Don't curse. Finally... You start Mulan, and obviously they don't have Mulan in Pashtu, Dari, or Farsi, which is the primary three languages that they spoke there. But with each passing moment, the kids would pay attention instantly. For some, time, for some of them, it was the first time seeing a movie like this, or an animated movie. For the little girls, this was the first time they saw a woman be the main protagonist. And what a main protagonist Mulan is, because not once in that single movie did Mulan ever complain about where she was. She had a fucking boogie. Like, she, yeah, she had that song in the, be- the, the beginning, like, who am I? She did all that bullshit. <laughs> the usual Disney princess shit. Yeah. But then Mulan was like, fuck that. I'm, she went to a war. Let's get down to business. Shit. You know? She went to a war. To defeat the hunt. To defeat the hunt. She went to go kill people. Not only did she have to hide her identity, she had to compete with the men, beat them at their own fucking game. And then go kill the goddamn hunts. She <laughs> murdered people to protect her family. Yeah. She won a war. Do you realize how cool that is? I seen these kids cheer. These kids were cheering. They were yelling. The girls were awestruck. It was so cool. I, I like. I almost started. To, I, I started to tear up in the theater. That was the first time I ever seen cinema like affect somebody that way. See a movie be a profound impact. These kids are so young that this might be be their first memory. And what if it isn't? I don't know. But, like, the fact that they got to see this, that it changed them, that they didn't even understand what they were saying, but they knew what the story was about. I was always told, like, as a film major, that if you could understand a movie with the sound off, then it's a good movie. Yeah. Same thing with, like, Ice Age. When we showed them Ice Age or, like, Spider-Man, I got to show these kids Bruce Lee for the first time, and then they were all practicing, like, flutter kicks and shit, trying to do Jeet Kune Do right in front of us. I was like, that's how influential it is. I want to make something like that. So you want to make something that someone from a a different country can see it, understand it, and be moved by it. Even if they don't even have to be moved. Because when we all saw Spider-Man, my favorite, first favorite movie ever, 
my shit was Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. You know, I that there was just I was three years old. I was like, this is it. This is what this is what cinema is. It gave me my affection for redheads, and it also <laughs> gave me like, you know, like I that was my shit. It had a profound influence on me, but it was just some cool shit to see. Now, if I could make something that a kid would be like, that shit's cool, and I remember that that was a good movie. That's as good as enough as it gets. For me. Heck yeah, man. If you ever need, you know, some actors, comedians are great people to, to have. You would think this. <laughs> you would think the comedians would be good actors, but they're like, oh, so is it a paid spot? I'm like, oh, oh no. come on, dude. dude I was like, who cares? we're going to be there for like three hours. And they're like, <laughs> so I'm going to get like 20 minutes. I'm like, no, no. I'm not going to light you, dickhead. Like, <laughs> yeah, I get that. We always end the podcast with some questions. And you're one of the people that I would say has a great knack to solving things. Like, I would say, if we had a problem, Mark can solve it, sort of thing. It, it depends on the problem. Like, if it's a Rubik's Cube, bro, I'm, I'm shit out of luck. <laughs> I started playing chess, bro, on my phone, and my score is like 200 or something. I don't even know if that's good. Is that good? No, dude. <laughs> they start you off at 1,000. I st- kept on taking steps backwards. I lost so many <laughs> games at chess. I, I was never... Sh- I've never been a strategist, like... I'm only a strategist at things I know, I guess. I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you five questions. And this is called Solving Things with Mark Vegas. Is water wet? You know, they usually ask this question to, like, football players and shit so they can <laughs> put them on Instagram and shit. I've yeah. seen, seen this on the Bears' Instagram. They'll ask some <laughs> questions like this. So I'll say, is water wet? Yes. My instinct is water telling is me yet? water okay. has to be wet. Because they're synonymous with each other. You know what I'm saying? I get that. It's yeah. kind of like, you know, is my mom fat? It's just synonymous. <laughs> it's just one of those things. Your am mom's sh- so fat. Yeah, am I short? Is gas high? It's just it's a <laughs> yes question. You know what I'm saying? Orange. What came first, the fruit or the color? The f- well, the color would have had to have come first, technically. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was about to say the fruit. <laughs> because I was about to say the fruit. No, it had to have come the color. Because there was always orange in our, there, there was always orange for people to look like, look at, and that was just the sky, you know? Yeah. So they'd have to be like, or whoever it was, you know, back in the olden times. They always saw orange. Now, purple, purple's a different story. Purple is, it's very weird color. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, like, it was a unit that, it was royal purple because they just didn't have access to it, you know? Yeah, Ro- color of royalty, purple is. Fun fact for you. If you punch yourself and it hurts... Are you weak or are you strong? Means I'm an alcoholic, dude. You know, (laughs) if I punch myself and I'm asking myself, like, did I fuck myself up enough? I think I need to take a step back and meditate, go in the steam room, maybe masturbate. You know, (laughs) I think that there's a couple things we need to, you know, we need to, we need to go back to the drawing board. Yeah, you got to go back to the drawing board. I I would say uh, I would be I I would have a strong fist because I have confidence. I'll be like, man, I'll kick my own self's ass next time. You know, because I don't give up. So. Like, I don't want to stop until I'm, I'm actually whooped, you know? Yeah. Yeah, we don't lose, you know? You, if you're beating yourself up, make sure you do it well, you know? Don't half-ass anything, full-ass everything, you know? Yeah, but because if you don't give yourself a bruise, like let's say you hit yourself nine, you don't give yourself a bruise, then you can't tell people you were in a fight, you Yeah, know? then you're weak. Yeah, which is a whole level another. That's a level of narcissism I hope I don't ever reach, <laughs> you know? Like, I got into a fight, but I really I just hit myself, like... There was that lady that she just got branded and, like, her hair cut and, like, said she was kidnapped, all this stuff, and she had, like, black eyes and stuff, and it turned out she gave it to herself. That's insane. 
it's, it's a little weird. It's like hurting yourself is hard to do because your body's going to automatically be like, oh, dude, what are you doing? She was like running into tables and stuff. She was telling people like it's it's insane. Yeah, I don't know if I would do that. <laughs> yeah, I would hope not. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't think I would hit myself on purpose. Uh, although, except if I'm like playing a video game, what, a bad habit I have is like when I'm fucking, I'm a competitive person. So like if I'm playing a video game and I lose, I'll like fucking hit the shit out of my thigh. I'll be like, damn it. And it gets more progressively harder if I lose. I'm like, fuck. What video game are we playing? Probably say Soul Calibur 6 because of my boy Bennett. Me and him, every single Thursday, we team up. We watch a movie at the movie theater, and then we go play Soul Calibur for a couple hours. Don't even know what Soul Calibur 6 is. What is it? That's like one of the OG fighting games on PlayStation 2. So there's Soul Calibur, Street Fighter, uh, Mortal Kombat, Tekken. Soul Calibur is made by... Bankai Namco, I believe. It's one of the OG PlayStation like us, like fighting game. I got really good at it okay. overnight. I don't know why, but that's my game. Same thing <laughs> with Tekken. Tekken's also my game. I could whoop ass at. Unless I'm in the presence of people that could like juggle. I ran into a few dudes at the improv that know how to whoop ass in those games. Yeah, Def Jam Vendetta. That was my. That was. Def Jam Fight for New York was mine. That was a good one. Yeah, I I was good at that one. I can. <laughs> I can kill it. That was one of my favorite games ever because you could be like Joe. They had Joe Budden and Joe. Joe Budden Budden knew like karate and shit, bro. So you he would just fly across the screen with a pair of Timberland boots on. Yeah, just doing all these karate moves. It was the one game where you're you're fighting DMX and then Ludacris, and it was just. I used to fuck people up with DMX. Because DMX, I'm pretty sure he's like a grappler or some shit like that. He would just do Batista bombs on their stupid asses. <laughs> I, always, I always used to would tire them out and I would like put them in like a chokehold. And then right before they would uh, they would be dead, I'd let them go just so I could like throw them up yeah, and like, KMO. My favorite was the ring outs <laughs> that you could do. Because that used to be so cool. You could throw people into the trains and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. When you get Snoop Dogg's character, I used to fuck people up with Snoop Dogg's character. Dude. I forget Snoop was on it. That's Him, funny. He was the main villain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, in in the New York one. Yeah. Yeah, dude. He was wearing a he was wearing a long leather jacket with a tie and that fedora. He always seems to rock every now <laughs> and then. But he's buff as shit. We all Snoop Dogg can't be more than 145 pounds, dude. He's ringing what? He can't be that. That's yeah, for yeah, sure. Dude, he got that Brandon Ingram body, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Just a skinny dude. Well, yeah, so more questions with Mark. I guess my last one is, what's your favorite podcast? My favorite podcast? It was the Joe Budden podcast. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It, it was the Joe Budden podcast for a long time, but they broke up, unfortunately, which sucks because of some differences. I, I don't know. But the new best podcast right now that I listen to is the Rory Amal podcast. That was his old co-host that had turned and made their own joint. I still love it. They're still dropping a whole bunch of gems, really up and coming. <laughs> Them, I listen to Come Town occasionally because Come Town is just absolutely hilarious. Just mayhem. You don't yeah. have to. Yeah, you don't have to. It's like almost like uncensoring your eyes. You can't tell other people you listen to Come Town though. They'll give you some weird looks. Yeah. yeah, they'll give you some weird looks. They'll listen to the podcast and be like, "Why the fuck are you listening to this?" And you can't listen to too much Come Town because then you'll start to regurgitate what you're listening to. <laughs> yeah, you'll get really offensive real quick. That's yeah. that's not what we're about. Now, you go by on stage as Mark Vegas. Now, if you want to talk about this, you can, but where did that come from? Because that's not... So, Mark Vegas is not my real name. Correct. And when yes. I introduce myself to people, if it's myself introducing, it, like, if I get to meet you first and I shake your hand, I'm going to tell you my name is Marco Griego Duarte. That is my name given to me, and I am not ashamed of it. Yeah. However, 
I picked up Mark Vegas the first time I did comedy because I remember writing down my name, Marco Adolfo Griego Duarte, on the, on the sign-up sheet. And I didn't know you weren't supposed to do that. But they got to my name, they just looked at it, and they're like, fuck that, Mark Vegas, bring it to the stage. <laughs> and I was like, fuck, is that me? And they're like, yeah, that's you. And I was like, all right, tight. I'm wow. Mark Vegas. Now. That's wild. That, is, that was the first time. And then, yeah, now everybody calls me Vegas, Mark Vegas, which is cool. Some people call me Marco. It really doesn't matter to me. Because it's, like, it's not like it's an alter ego. No, no. It's not yeah. like I'm like, I'm Mark Vegas on stage, but out here I'm Marco. I'm Mark Vegas. Like, I guess technically the only place I do be Mark Vegas and go yeah, by Mark or Vegas, Vegas is, on is, is on stage. Yeah. But it's a cool thing because, like, I knowing you for, for the years I have, you're Vegas, you know? Yeah. And <laughs> and if someone came up to me, do like, do you know Marco? And I was like, I don't know who that is. Yeah, don't know <laughs> who know? that is. Like, Mark Vegas is just the comedian. It's just Mark Vegas, the comedian. And I don't know. I, I tried to go by my real name for one week, but I shortened it. I went by Marco Adolfo, and I bombed. I bombed so hard for the You don't whole got week. that Vegas energy. Dude, it was so <laughs> weird. Like, I don't know what happened. It was almost like I lost my powers. Like, you ever see Thunderstruck with Kevin Durant where he gives his shoes to some kid and then he loses his powers? Like, I don't know. That's like Mike. But I'm talking <laughs> Thunderstruck is the same movie where Kevin Durant, he shakes hands with some kid, gives him his powers. Just like, ex-Space Jams himself? Yeah, dude. I'm like <laughs> it. Like, I, I was. I bombed the whole week, and I'm like, I'm never going by my name again. Mark Vegas has to stay on stage. I don't know. I'll change it one day, like if I feel like it. But I, I don't feel like I ever need to. Yeah, because I think Vegas is memorable. Vegas, like your comedic style, is very bright, shiny. It's what like you know, and <laughs> that's that can relate to Vegas. I, I try to lean into the Vegas moniker a little bit more by. I think I want. I, th- I don't know if you remember. I used to have martinis in my hand when I went on stage, <laughs> like a fucking dork dude. I was 21 years old with martinis in my hand. Like what a fucking hack! Uh, I had the martinis funny. and the fucking big ass blue Robert Downey Jr. Iron Man glasses. <laughs> yeah. I used to go on stage with because I was like, oh, I'm Vegas. I'm <laughs> Showtime. That was so stupid. That That's was dumb. The, looking back at the old stuff that you used to do on stage is wild. Yeah, it's ass, man. You hate yourself, man. It's like, so oh, look at that stupid. little door, dude. Yeah. But at the same time, whenever I look back at those old clips of myself, I just, it's a confidence booster every single way because who that guy is on stage right now would be incredibly proud of who I am here. Yeah. Even going as far as, far as back as to when I was a kid, that guy would be really proud of who I am right now. And that's a cool thing to look back at. I remember like my first, my first ever stand-up gig was on Comedy Cafe on East Brady, where the up-down is now. It's not there anymore. I wore a studded belt from Hot Topic. And I that's I couldn't tell you. I know the set probably bombed, but my friends were there. They liked it. And I just remember me wearing that stupid belt. And I can, will never look at, like, there's film of it. My friends have, like, they filmed oh, the set. dude. And I'm like, I never want to see that just because that stupid belt. I don't think I have my first set. I think it was a show. It, it, it was technically, like, a mic slash show. They did it at Rounding Third. Okay. Showcase, yeah. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. Debo Debo has film of that, like the video of that. But my first time going on stage, Debo told me just to talk about, like, a funny story. And I told a story about how me and my Marines, I'd end up in um, the gay bar, This Is It, 
whatever street that is. It's the, it's just toward downtown. Cathedral this Square is it, fucking area. tits. Shout out to tits because that's 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 my one of my favorite places to be because everybody loves to dance there. Yeah. The drinks are real well made. It's it's a good hangout. It's a good place. Yeah, me and me and my boys went there on, on accident because well we didn't know but we didn't leave because you know because it's fun. It's a good atmosphere. It, it was a fun and good atmosphere. You know what I'm saying? It was just a juxtaposition story about how like. These really tough guys ended up in a in a drag show. <laughs> yeah, these, these. And it was the first time we ever seen a drag show. All of us. So. The entertaining of a drag show is unreal. You gotta give it them. It's crazy, props. dude. <laughs> tits. I I know some of the people that work at Tits, and they ask me once. They're like, "Hey, do you know any comics that could go up?" Like, <laughs> I'm like, "Dude, who would I?" Which is a funny prospect to send like someone up there for ten minutes. If there was one comic I could think of, like a kill, but also be funny just to see him there. One would be Josh Siegel. I would love to see Josh <laughs> Siegel at a fucking That's try to bring up a drag show. And two, Logan Dunsmore. Oh, Logan. Because he would be eye candy. He dude. would be so beat red in the face, just blushing. Oh, you. <laughs> you know what I say? He does that all the time. Like, But I'm like, man, if you were to go up there with those shoulder muscles, oh, he would cream yeah. a lot of fucking dudes, Oh, he dude. would get so many dollar bills in his tight T-shirt. Dude, I, I'm, I'm jealous. Logan Dunsmore, if you ever hear this, I am jealous of your shoulders. <laughs> All right? I am working hard. I'm doing pull-ups every day. I will get your shoulder muscles. Someday. I want to see his legs one time. What do they look like? Oh, he's a wrestler. He got those. Oh, man. he's got them? Oh, yeah. yeah that's he fair. has them. That's fair. Unfortunately, dude. Well, Vegas, thank you for being on the podcast. We do have a show later, so I'm not going to yeah, keep you do. too long. Vegas, where can people see you? Where where do you want to promote? What do you got going on? Uh, let me see here. I have to leave for two weeks for s- some training, unfortunately. But if I look at my handy-dandy book, I'm coming back the 18th, and I got four shows within that week. From the 20th through the 26th, May 20th, I'm on Aaron Clark's show. May 21st, I'm going to be in Elm Grove with Johnny Barron's. May 25th is my own, so I got Angelo's Piano Lounge. The 26th, I got a roast battle Ooh, up against yes. Elijah Holbrook. Elijah, if you hear this, is a declaration of war. I hate you, <laughs> and you're ugly, and you smell. July 15th, I got a set at the Clamshell, where, um, wherever Clamshell does their shit. August 5th, I got a 10 minutes at Puddlers, and then finally, August 26th, Clamshell again. So Wow. If you want to go see more of his dates, follow him on Instagram or social media. Yeah, I know that was a lot. We'll be, he'll be tagged in this podcast. Go find it on all the find social Find me medias. at MarkVegas underscore. It's, it's <laughs> the easiest thing in the world. It's better than typing my whole name out. That's know? easy. Easy. Well, thank yeah. you very much. Thank you, Judding your earbuds. This, yeah. so, this is so beautiful. I'm yeah, we, we get, get to, to, spend we get to chill together. out. And you're it feels like I was on a date, but I didn't have to try. <laughs> but now you're going to play some video games. So oh, that's dude, I'm going to play the... F- fudge out of that house of the dead machine over there <laughs> well uh for all your judd and your buzz listeners all my judd warriors if you want to find me go to juddreminger.com for all my tour dates and places that i will be doing comedy cool thanks for re- guys for listening to another episode peace godspeed i blacked out i don't know what happened hey christian Yelich, what's your favorite comedy podcast um I mean, I listen generally to sports podcasts, but if I had to go strictly comedy, I'd go Judd and your earbuds.